Hello and Love welcome. Radio. Hello and welcome to Authentic Messengers. My name is Catherine Van Wetter and I will be your host today. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, I have been interviewing different authors from our new book, Life Sparks, and now our newest book, Life Sparks, which is on Kindle and will be released tomorrow. If you're not able to hear the different interviews, you can go to www.blogtalk forward slash authenticmessengers.com. Please also go to our Facebook page, Authentic Messengers, and put a thumbs up and say um, if you would like speakers to come on, if you know of anybody who may be interested coming on to our show, please let us know again by going to Authentic Messengers. Today I'm really excited to be introducing in some ways a mystery guest in that I am going to have her introduce herself um, because her name has come to her in a very special way. So hello and welcome today. Hi, thanks so much, Catherine, for having me. It's such an honor. Thank um, you. I'll tell you. So, okay, sorry. So please let us know what your name is and how it is that you came to that name. So my name is Farhana. That's my first name. And um, I go by Farhana Surya Namaskar. And that's what I call my pen name. So I write under Farhana Surya Namaskar. And um, the way I came up with Surya Namaskar is in Hindi, Surya Namaskar means sun salutation. So Surya means the sun, and um, Namaskar means salutation. And a little over a year ago, when my ex-husband and I separated after seven years of our marriage, I had set an intention to God um, and I said that I would wake up every morning doing what I call the Surya Namaskar, which was a sun salutation, um, promising God that I would le- live that day spreading love and light to whoever came across um, my way, um, whether that was on the phone, whether it was um, through you know, text messaging, or whether it was a face-to-face interaction. Um, my intention was set to spread love and light. And from that point on, I created a um, book page called Surya Namaskar. And what I started to do was I started to dialogue with God. And this Facebook had no friends on it, no relatives on it. It was just me, myself, and I. And my Facebook statuses would reflect my conversation with God on that particular day. And I was personally getting inspired and motivated by my own words. And I felt that if I was able to bring that inspiration to somebody else, then that would, you know, kind of start a purpose. And so I started to add random people on my Facebook, and I started to get some random requests on my Facebook. And since that time last year, I've, I've come close to about 1,100 people all around the world on my Facebook. And so Surya Namaskar really started that way and inspired me. Um, at that time, I also wanted to, um, I set the intention to, to become a published author. And here we are a year later, um, you know, looking at that dream um, as being manifested. So that's how Farhana Surya Namaskar came to be. Wow, thank you for that. And I'm I'm curious, with your Facebook page and with you um, taking in the messages of God, what have you found that people have gained from coming onto your Facebook page? Are they looking for inspiration? Are they looking for hope? What is it that you've been able to sense into that they're receiving? What I've, uh, what I've sensed is that people are receiving a lot of inspiration. 
um, what I've started to really try and do is focus on keeping it real. Um, and that by saying that, you know, I lead, I, I lead a life that's perfectly, um, you know, uh, flawless and has no issues would be a complete lie. And so what I'm trying to do is keep it real and let people know that even the best people out there, the most successful people out there, do uh, live in the real life and um, do face um, very, a, a lot of challenges. And therefore, in doing so and in, in terms of doing, um, keeping it real, um, I just want to show that just like everybody else out there, I'm a human being and I have some really great days and I have some days that really suck. Um, the difference between Surya Namaskar and my personal Facebook page for Hana Kasim, which I had for many years and I still have, um, is when I was married, I used to share a lot of my personal life on Facebook, but glorified it in such a way that made people envy the life that I had. And so it was far from keeping it real. It was, um, it was really a stage performance that I call. And, um, you know, I, I shied away from, from the challenges that I was facing, which led up to my divorce. And therefore, when I created Surya Namaskar, I didn't want to le- lead a stage life anymore. I wanted to keep it real in every way, shape, or form. And Surya Namaskar has really captured my journey during my separation while I was going through the divorce. And now that I've, um, I am officially divorced, um, I want to share with the world how that journey continues. And by no means is it still perfect. In fact, it's far from perfect. But I don't believe that anybody's life is. And I think that we do go through the trials and tribulations that make us who we are, and make us the great people that we are. Wow. So you, so you've talked about, so you've talked about your trials and tribula- tribulations as far as divorce, or was it what you've learned as going to the divorce, or what you've? Can you give an example of some of some of the things that you've shared? I mean, the humanness is so important right now because people. I think are really needing to know that it's okay to have a bad day. Um, right. Some have more bad days than others. So to maybe give an example, if if you wouldn't mind. So what I've done recently, a lot of um, is I've taken words um, and I've converted them into acronyms. So for instance, um, you know, I took the word divorce, and I what I realized is during the time I was going through the divorce. Every time I would mention that to someone, the immediate reaction was, you know, I'm so sorry. And it became um, so disheartening to actually hear that because you almost feel labeled in a certain way when you say that you're a person who's gone through divorce. So what I decided to do was create, take words and turn them into acronyms and have positive messages out of them. So, for example, I'm just going to pull up the first one that comes here, for instance. And a lot of times our circumstances make us feel like we're a victim of them, right? So mm-hmm. I took the word victim, for instance, and I turned it into an acronym, which to me um, I said stands for the violation of individual courage by tormenting our inner emotion. And so when we start to victimize ourselves, we don't really realize what our courage is and how courageous we are, and it kills our motivation so in similar ways, you know, I just continue to take words and turn them into um, acronyms so that they would reveal a positive message rather than label us for what we think they are. Hmm. That's nice to be able to turn a word around. And with an acronym, it's beautiful to bring it to memory so that if someone is going into the stance of victimhood, they can bring that awareness into them and make a different choice and how they're right. going to respond. Mm-hmm. 
And wow. so that's, and you, uh, mentioned, you know, that's, that's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you mentioned that you were empathic. Are you, do you feel that everyone's empathic? Some are more empathic than others. And what's your definition as you say you're an empath? You know, I feel like everybody may have a small part of them at least um, that would at least like to be able to relate to someone's emotions and to actually feel how they do feel. Um, I think that a bigger problem that exists is that oftentimes, you know, our sensitivity and our ability to empathize with someone is considered a weakness. Our sensitivity, if we're an overly sensitive individual, we're considered to be a weaker individual. Um, rather, if, rather than if we're more logical-minded, if we're more business-minded, somehow there's a power that's associated with that and a weakness associated with an em- empath. So what I've learned on the contrary, because this is something that I was told, told through many years, is that, you know, uh, because I think with my heart and because I wear my heart on my sleeve, um, I will never be successful. But on the contrary, I feel like these are what my strengths are. And this is what allows me to come closer to people. It's what allows people to get uh, to be, um, you know, to feel a, a trust in me and, and to have trust with me and to share um, their pain and know that they, they won't be judged. So I think that um, it's, you know, it becomes something that we might struggle with deep down and we might tuck it in so far deep that it almost doesn't exist or we forget that it does exist. But I think that, um, a large proportion of people can actually feel that empathy if they allow it to surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so much information now on highly sensitive people and empaths and intuitives, um, which there are so many folks. I know that's the area that I work in, and it's really beautiful to help people recognize that the gift that they have of being empathic and intuitive and heart-centered is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to the world. Absolutely. Um, I noticed you mentioned in your bio that you were born in Canada and that you were raised in Kenya. Do you feel that being raised in Kenya helped you also tap into some, well, you may not have recognized it, until later in life, but as far as your empathic being, being raised um, in a country like Kenya? I don't, I don't feel that it was necessary the reason why. I mean, I think that it brought out that side a little bit more. Um, but I always, I, what I do recall is as a young child, I always wished that I had a magic wand and that I could just wave that magic wand and take everybody's pain away. Um, My parents were actually divorced, and so I remember watching my parents um, struggle in their marriage as well, and I thought if I could just wave my magic wand and and help them and heal them from their pain, then the world would become a better better place. Um, Of course, Kenya, you you, uh, see a lot of poverty there. Um, While you're driving in a car and you're at a traffic light, you're going to probably have a street child come and tap on your window and ask you for some money. So those types of experiences did exist, and I was faced with them. So it definitely brought a different side to me. Um, but, I, but I think this was in me kind of for a long time. And perhaps just also um, seeing my mom as a person who's a very kind and um, big-hearted person, um, very selfless in what she does and, and the way she leads her life, is that's something that I was grown up admiring about her. Wow, that's beautiful. So what are some of your greatest strengths as you've moved through 
the post-divorce and really tapping into your gifts now? What are your greatest strengths? I think um, in addition to just what I mentioned is that I I am very heartfelt in what I do and that I do have a lot of empathy, um, and that's something that has existed in me. Um, One of my greatest strengths, I I believe, um, you know, has been um, just keeping up with, with that and realizing that everybody who comes into your life comes into your life for a reason. And it's important not to be able to selectively be show empathy towards um, some people while others you can't. Um, and I think that's the, tri- the most trying part is realizing that if you come from a place of love, it needs to be unconditional. Um, and so learning that has been one of my biggest, um, you know, uh, strengths. Um, another thing that I really pride myself on. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to mention, do you think people are capable of loving unconditionally? I, what I've learned is that if you don't unconditionally love yourself, you will not, you'll have a really hard time unconditionally loving other people. So I think self-love is a very, very big part of the overall picture, and that's something that I've learned through this process is self-forgiveness and self-love. I think that I held a lot of judgment and resentment towards myself um, when I separated from my husband and in terms of, you know, what I could have done in the marriage to make it better versus what I did do in the marriage and, you know, all of that stuff I struggled with for a very, very long time. So it took me, you know, a good amount of healing and I'm still continuing on that process. I can't say that I'm remotely close to where I want to be with that process, but um, definitely self-love for yourself before that expectation from other people to give that to you because you will come across situations and people in your life who continuously, um, you know, disappoint you. And if we put the ball in their court, if we put the power in their hands to be able to love us unconditionally, we are very quickly going to get disappointed. And so if you unconditionally love yourself, there's no room for disappointment. The only thing that's going to happen is if you don't do it for yourself, you're going to disappoint yourself. And then you're able to change that behavior, but you can't change that for other people. And it is all an inside job, and it's really interesting to talk to folks who feel that they may be loving themselves unconditionally, yet there's so many conditions around the unconditionality. Um, right. So it's, it, can be, it can be quite a, a challenge to, to do that. Um, what do you feel your greatest achievements or your proudest moments have been so far? as you look through the trajectory of your life? You know, I have to say that my life has been very difficult in terms of, you know, getting through and growing, growing up um, in a household where my parents did not get along for most of their marriage. For 99% of the marriage, it was very difficult. And just getting through that as a child and um, almost forcing yourself to grow up very quickly and leaving aside what your needs are as a child and growing up to be somebody who wants to hold a magic wand and save your parents. I think that has been very challenging, but I think it's been a a big achievement. While it has often been, um, you know, um, put as something that works against me, I think that it worked for me. And um, one of of the, uh, I, I was on an interview a few months ago with, a life coach and a best-selling author. Her name is Reba Linker. And one of the things that she said to me in that interview, which I'll never forget, is 
the question we need to be asking ourselves is not why did this happen to me, but rather why did this happen? Because now that I know during this awakening of mine, um, during this purposeful journey, is that I've learned that God does not put anything in your life that he knows you can't handle. And oftentimes you'll hear people say, God has a lot more trust and, um, you know, confidence in, in my ability than we do for ourselves. And that's very true. But he has to put you through these difficult tests in order for you to understand truly what you're capable of doing. And so I think that's been my biggest achievement. Um, I always was raised believing that there's a higher power, there's a God, there's universe, there's spirit, whatever you want to call that source. Um, But I truly believe that it's one thing to say I believe in God and another one to say that I found God. And so one of my biggest achievements in this process has been finding God. You know, I absolutely um, find, I found him. I conversate with him every day. He gives me the signs at the right perfect time. And um, I've learned that, and I, and I hold on to that very dearly. So that's definitely my biggest achievement. Wow. What are areas that you still, I mean, so much of our work is, is noticing where our shadow is and noticing the places that we can continue to love ourselves um, unconditionally. Are there areas that you're, that you're focusing on right now, those areas that you're practicing more self-compassion? Did that, if that made sense, what I asked you. Yeah, no, absolutely. So like I said, my life, um, even though everything that I say right now uh, must inspire a lot of people, and, and I hope that with my truest intent, but it's not to say that my life every day is um, full of rainbows and everything is hunky-dory and, every, you know, there are times where I just get thrown off that path. And, um, you know, what it is basically is I'll give you an example. Just a couple of, day, um, couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, um, I was in a very difficult situation dealing with some personal things. And um, I started to get back into a place where I felt like I needed to control and take matters into my own hands. And um, what I realized is I was fighting um, alongside a door that was actually closed. And it wasn't opening, and I was so desperately trying to take control, and I ended up spending money doing things that I, I thought I was supposed to do, and quite honestly, I, um, I, I took a detour. And then I started to judge myself because I said to myself, you've worked so hard to get to where you are. Um, you know, you inspire yourself. You inspire hundreds of other people, thousands of other people on your Facebook, and yet you've now gone on this, on, on this off path. And so I judged myself a lot because – I wasn't able to keep certain commitments that I promised um, that I was going to follow through with. Um, I forgot to do things just because I was so stuck in this place. And uh, what I realized is that I couldn't be so hard on myself. I am human after all. And all I had to do was, you know, embrace it, come to terms with it, um, still love myself unconditionally, and then decide I was going to go back on my path and continue doing what I was doing. And when I spoke to God about it, I shamefully put my head down and sorry, you know, I should have expected better of me and I'm sure you expected better of me. And the response I got was, you're back on track and you know what you've received in return? And I thought, what have I received in return? And I thought to myself, I received an additional chapter in my personal book that I will write about. So, Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's really one of the areas that I'm really fascinated with and that I love that I love working with is 
resiliency and how people can have really difficult things happen in their lives and some become embittered, others overcome it and use it as a great blessing and a gift and wondered, you know, what your stance is on that. You know, do you, I'm sure, notice folks who have have overcome and ended up being so much more compassionate and loving and kind and others that may not. Would you like to address that, talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I mean, I talk to people all the time. Um, I'm doing some volunteer work at a local nonprofit here um, where I work with adult women who are going through recovery um, as a result of their drug abuse. And, um, you know, I say to them that, you know, there's, there's two ways you can look at this. You can either judge yourself and you can judge God and you can resent him and hate him, or you can turn around and just say, okay, we've done this for way too long. And the only thing that we can do in a situation like this is change. Because if life was that great, we would actually not be inspired or motivated to change anything. So when things like this happen, the only thing that we can really do to change our situation, because we realize that repeated patterns of this keep coming into our lives. So if we decide Mm -hmm. to consciously change it and take that chance, you know, what you find on the other side is just remarkable. And it's just, it's taking that leap of faith. And that's just... You know, one of the things that, I, um, that has gotten me to where I am is that I had a dream, and I dream a lot. And one of the dreams that I had during my divorce is I heard a voice that said, take the leap of faith. And I knew that God was telling me to take the leap of faith and quit a job of mine that I was holding on to only because I needed to pay my bills, and it was just a paycheck that I really was after because I was really dissatisfied in this job. Well, a few weeks later, after meditating and praying on it, I actually took that leap of faith. And I got it tattooed on my arm. So it's forever on my arm, on my body, to remind me constantly that if we don't take that leap of faith, we'll just never know what's on the other side. And you have to come to a point Mm -hmm. where you decide, I'm either going to take that leap of faith or I'm going to stick in this and there's going to be no changes. So unless you want to embrace that that painful place and you just think that's the the be-all and end-all, there's got to be an opportunity you give to yourself to make that change. And so that's, That's really what I did. And that's what I think everybody should do. You're not going to lose your arm. You're not going to lose a limb. You know, by taking that leap of faith, what's the worst thing that can happen? You'll just get back where you started. But what if it changes? What if you do hit your goal? What if you do fulfill your dream? You know, it's, and, and, and I'm a living example of it. So if I can bring that little bit of light and hope to people, then, then my, then, you know, my purpose is accomplished. Well, and now, you know, and I hear what you're saying, and it can be difficult sometimes for folks to know to take the leap of faith. But then when we start being surrounded with fear and anxiety, like many folks are feeling now, in lieu of so much change and shift that's happening, wonder what sort of... um, what sort of container you put them in or how can you help people who on all outward appearances, it's a time to be scared. It's a time to be hypervigilant. How can one take that leap of faith if it feels like there's nothing to leap into? Well, here's what I'm going to say. And I'm a, I was raised Muslim. Okay. And mm-hmm. I'm deeply spiritual now, but I was raised Muslim. And I want to say, if you look at the situation, the political situation here in our country, um, 
you know, this fear existed before Donald Trump came into the picture. <clears throat> Muslims were being labeled yeah. for being terrorists way before. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's not, that's not something that he has created. That's a fear that's created within ourselves. And so there has to be that conscious um, understanding and realization that, that this, is, this is with us. It's not one person to blame. All of us are collectively responsible for the fears that we have instilled in ourselves and within each other. So that mindset mm-hmm. that has to be an overall um, awakening, an overall consciousness, an overall effort, a group effort with all of us. Because at the end of the day, regardless of who you are as a person or, you know, uh, what nationality you are or what religion you follow or what the color of your skin is or what your sexual orientation is, at the end of the day, all we want is love. That's all we want. That's, right. that's a need yeah. that all human beings have and long for. I don't care how angry you are how upset you are, how hurt you are, if you're going to turn around and just tell somebody that you are here for them, you care for them, and you love them, it doesn't matter what language you say it in, it's going to be received, you know, in a positive light. So small steps, you know, whatever people can handle in small little bites, and we have to be patient with each other, and we just have to go with um, whatever pace we want to travel on that road. I think one of the things I got too excited about and, oh, my God, this is what I've discovered, and this is great. And I'm like, and speaking at, like, I don't know how many words a minute. But then also giving people their space and respecting their space and holding space for them to get to where you are and where you pray that they get to um, in their own time. And that's something that I've had to learn this past year as well. Yeah, well, and having the nationality that you are, it's, it's I mean, for me, it's, it saddens me so much to see how much anger, how much misunderstanding there is for people who are of a different color, who um, who see life a little bit different. And it really does seem like this is our time more than ever to to practice the, the loving compassion and the kindness towards self and for others. So thank you for doing the work you do to help people remember remember who they are. Thank you. I'm so blessed to do that. Um, One thing that comes to mind, and I chuckle about it, um, a few years ago I was working at another nonprofit here in Dallas, and I walked into a school because I had to go and check on some volunteers. And I went to, um, they checked my security badge, and I mean my driver's license, and and I got a little name tag and everything. And she was intrigued by my name, the lady there, and she said, you know, what are your roots? And one thing led to another, and, you know, when I, when I was here a few years ago in the States, um, I used to avoid the conversation about religion like it was a plague because I didn't know what type of response that opposite person was going to give me. Well, after trying to avoid mm-hmm. so desperately, I think maybe God intended for this to happen so that it would be a story and a chapter and a conversation and, you know, for, for uh, something that people could learn from. Uh, the lady said, oh, so, and I said, well, I was raised Muslim, and she tilted her head to the side, and she said, the kind that kill people. And I sat there dumbstruck. Wow. Had no idea mm-hmm. how to respond to that. And, you know, I said, no, not the kind that kill people. Muslims don't call, k- kill people. Christians don't kill people. People kill people, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, that, that was just a message to me and just such an eye-opener about, you know, what, what types of messages are we conveying to the world, you know? Um, and why are we doing that? And it all stems from the fact that we're, we're fearful. If we can blame someone else for our problems, 
then we somehow think that we're safe. You know, but the thing is, when you yeah. point when you point your finger at one person, you got three pointing back at you, and that's what I've learned in this right. past year as well. You know. Yeah. Wow. And are, do you currently live up in Canada? Are you still up there, I, or no? I'm, oh, you I'm live in, Dallas, in Texas. So I moved, yeah, you. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm Dallas, in Texas. Texas. Dallas. Yeah. That's right. Right. Boy, you're in the heart of so much. <laughs> <laughs> I so know. Much, so much going. I, I've noticed I've really gotten careful, you know, so many folks can be opinionated and say things, and it really, it really is a time for listening deeply and being very mindful of what one says. I, I speak at different churches, and my topic for my next series is called Radical Listening to really listen deeply to when we're talking to folks to make sure that we don't inadvertently say something that could cause more separation and more division. And wondered as you go out in the world and you do your talks, um, because I do believe you go out and talk at different places. You talked about being in a nonprofit organization. Um, Is that part of going out and... I've worked... Well, no, I've worked at a non I, I, all my life. My full time jobs have always um, entailed me working at a nonprofit. My end goal is to actually start up a nonprofit that will serve abused and neglected children and uh, families impacted by domestic violence and divorce. But for now, um, I got into writing and, um, you know, I want to do a lot of public speaking. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I know that eventually I'll, I'll get to the point where I can start up that nonprofit as well. I want to. I intend to Good. do a lot of international work as well, um, serving communities. Going back to Kenya, doing some work there, doing some work in India and Nepal. But I know it's all in in the works, and it will happen in divine time. Mhm. Well, you're very motivated to to contribute <coughs> to contribute to the world. And wonder you talked a little bit about it, and if you want to go more into. Um, who and what would you contribute your awakening to? And would also like to know what your definition of awakening is, because we hear so much of um, people who are awakening or who become enlightened and wondered if you could spend a little bit of time um, who and what would you contribute your awakening to and, and how you define that, please. So um, the way I define awakening is just the, the realization the answer to the question that all of us at some point I think ask is what is the purpose of all of this? Um, you know, why are we here? Um, my awakening happened when I read a phenomenal book. I was never much of a reader before. I'd rather watch the movie version of the book than sit and go through 300 pages. Um, but a woman uh, by the name of Rebecca Rosen, who's written two books, Her first book is called Spirited. Her second book is called Awaken the Spirit Within, um, is somebody who definitely had the master key to opening this door of purpose for me. I read the book from start to end, back to back. I mean, I was front to back. I was, my jaw was on the floor. I had no questions. It was like everything that I'd ever wondered about, everything that I ever doubted, everything that I ever resented was all there in, in the book. And I think that, you know, several people, several thousands of people have a book that they turn to, whether it's, you know, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle or, you know, whatever type of book, whether it's 
Wayne Dyer who's moved them. Rebecca Rosen was by far that person for me. And she introduced me to all these other spiritual writers and, you know, people who found purpose in their life and were able to answer that question in different forms. But Rebecca Rosen was that person for me. And then she led me to a whole bunch of other other, um, authors and, and motivators. It's basically... Um, what I say, what I've heard so many times before, is when the student is ready, the teacher, Rebecca, was that first teacher for me. Hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's beautiful to look to see who inspired us and to give them credit for for where we find ourselves in our lives. And it, it seems like it only takes one person to um, to truly make a difference in someone's life. Just one person who cares enough to listen deeply, which is Absolutely. really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to understand that language, um, I think then once you open up any book, everybody's pretty much saying the same thing, but it takes that one person to, to articulate it in such a way that it really sits with your soul. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. since then, I mean, I'm like, oh, Wayne Dyer is saying the same thing, or, you know, Doreen Virtue is saying the same thing. Joel Austin is saying the same thing. Now, these are all people who resonate with me, who I listen to all the time, who I follow all the time, and they're big pillars of um, that are kind of steering me in the right direction and, you know, giving me, giving me the signs at the right time. So they're all saying the same thing, but it doesn't matter who does it and in what way as long as it happens. You know, I think it would be really depressing to, um, to reach the end of life and, and you just not have – figured out the answer to the question and then you all have to start the process again and that is certainly depressing so if I can help anybody awaken in this lifetime like the way Rebecca awakened me then I uh you know I would consider that a true blessing so do you feel energetically that we're at the precipice right now of going to a higher level of consciousness and more people awakening in lieu of what's happening both within our country and globally? I think so. I think so. You know, I really believe that this rude awakening has to happen, whether, you know, mine is, you know, we use just uh, the example of my divorce. You know, really need to get something to really shake someone up before you realize, oh, my goodness, wait a second, change needs to be made. But up until that point, you just think life is, you know, even if it's just mediocre and you're just humming through it, well, humming is not good, good enough. There's got to be this major thing. And I think with what's happened in our country, that's been a major sh- shaking, a major awakening that, that people are going to have to start taking responsibility for their own actions and realizing that it's not Donald Trump that needs to make the changes. You can't put the onus on one person, but it's us collectively that need to do something. I'll give you an example. When mm-hmm. the, morning, the, mo- the, the morning that the election results came out, well, I couldn't stay up that night and woke up in the morning. I was like, it's going to be plastered on social media anyway. So I'll, I'll, I'll learn then what's happened. And immediately I thought about the, the, the situation in Uganda. Um, in the 70s, all the Asians in Uganda were kicked out of the country because of Idi Amin. If anybody's watched the movie, The, uh, the, Scot- the, the King of Scotland, was it The King of Somebody on, who's listening is going to know what, book I, what movie I'm talking about. The Last King of Scotland. Um, but, you know, Idi Amin was kicked, uh, kicked out all these Asians from the country. There was a lot of hate. There was a lot of fear. And our parents, um, you know, who lived there, the, the age of our parents who lived there, 
and really young children or unborn children had to move from Uganda and move to various parts of the world. They moved to the UK, they moved to Canada, they moved to the US, um, they moved to Australia. Well, what happened as a result is that, you know, children were born there and they were educated there and they've had great lives in these countries that open up their hearts to them. But here's the thing. Now they've, they've gone back and they're able to take their education. They're able to take their knowledge. They're able to take their skills back and rebuild those countries. So, yes, it might, there could be a lot of controversy in the, you know, accepting this. But you know what? You've got to believe that God, I heard this with Joel Austin saying, when we make a mistake, okay, if we take a wrong turn somewhere, he doesn't punish us. He will redirect us. And so we just have to have faith in God and we have to have faith in ourselves to make the right decision from this point on to help each other grow and help the country grow. Hmm. Yeah, that's, and it's teaching people that it's all right to stand up with a voice and to look, to look beyond what is happening on the external world and look at a higher level of awareness in order to move right. forward, because it is, it is a huge spiritual movement that we're going through. And I, I sense that a lot of folks have in some ways a spiritual disconnect. And so how, how does one tap into the realm of knowing that something so much bigger is happening than what we can even begin to imagine or fancy? And I think that's, Right, and I think that just brings us back to the point that I'd raised earlier, is when people say, I believe in God, versus I find God, I found God, um, is just knowing mm-hmm. that he is there, and he is watching over it, and you know what, um, we, we have to just trust, and have trust in ourselves, and in, in God, and if we come from a place of love, which we all have within us, we just kind of get tainted over time because of fear, but once we actually do tap into our love and our compassion and our kindness and tap into those gifts that God has given us, you know, we won't, it, it, we won't break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and sometimes breaking and going to our needs is one of the best way to surrender and consent to what is. <laughs> How many exactly. calories do we have on our needs? Mm-hmm. So right. you've talked and a you've... little bit of, yes. Sorry, go ahead. Um, did, was there more? Because I'm going on to another. I have another question for you. Oh, I was going to say very quickly because you brought up the word voice. Um, so a voice is actually one of the words that I that I taken and I turned into an acronym. And just I feel like this ties into really well with what we just talked about how we have to have our truth voice. Um, so I said voice um, stands for vocalizing our inner courage effectively, and um, you know oftentimes. You know, you, you talk about your, your throat chakra being blocked all the time. It's because we silence our voices because we're afraid to say what's truly in, in our hearts. And so I had done a short little write-up, and it says, shh, says the ego, shh, say the people, shh, says the community, shh, says society. It's better to just be silent. Why create an uproar? Why do you want to be defiant? Why disrupt the peace? Stick to the status quo. Conform to the majority. In this way, you won't stick out. You won't be the sore thumb. And I've gone on, there's like two more verses about this, but I posted it on my social media, and that's basically what it is. You know, you conform to the expectations mm-hmm. of the other. But, you know, especially when the other is, is silencing the, that truth, we need to be able to stand up, and we need to be able, be able to speak. And I need to be able to say, as a Muslim woman, 
who is in the minority here in the U.S., that what you think about the people that follow my faith is incorrect. And just because it's plastered on Fox News or just because it's plastered somewhere, it doesn't make it the truth, right? What we get on the media is not the truth. But speak to a Muslim and ask him, what is he compassionate about? What is he, you know, what brings joy into his life? What are the things he likes to do? How, did he, that, how does he spread kindness? We're not walking around with guns, you know, in the back of our pockets ready to kill someone. Have you felt, and I and thank you for that, and I really, I hear your passion and your expression, and it's almost like we're, we're going into our, our beautiful warrior sense of standing up and saying no more and not going into a corner and hiding out. Wondered with the, with the amount of visibility you're creating for yourself, um, what you do for your own self-care, what you do to stay strong, um, and where's the soft spot that you land, you know, at the end of the day when you need support. So my mom is my my big teddy bear. Um, you know, she is the person. She's my go-to person. Um, and, you know, if I'm going through a hard time, the few, like I did a few weeks ago and she was in Canada, I literally picked up the phone and I said, you need to be here. And the following morning, which was Thanksgiving, she showed up at my door. Um, she's definitely been my pillar. She's my strength. She's my rock. I don't know what I would do without her. She keeps me sane. Um, I have a very, very supportive family. I have three sisters. Um, my dad, they're all very, very supportive, despite the fact that my parents are divorced. Um, they're very supportive as a team um, to me and my, to my sisters and myself. Um, you know, I, I, I have conversations with God all the time. Uh, meditation has definitely opened up doors, my doors to spirituality, my inner knowing, my intuitive um, gut feeling. Um, so I do a lot of meditation. And I actually have uh, taken upon uh, meditation classes and, and take it to the underprivileged community. So I actually lead meditation classes um, for drug-addicted women at a nonprofit here. I do it as a volunteer. And, you know, I see how, how it heals me. And as it heals me, it also heals them. And the feedback that I receive from them is tremendous. Hmm. Yeah, taking it to places who have lost their way. Um, do you work primarily with women, or has it been whoever steps forward, both men and women? What is your majority of um, mainly women, it's been, children? It's, it's actually been uh, men and women. I started up this initiative called the M&M Series, which stands for Mindfulness and Meditation. And what I started doing was, um, you know, going to yoga studios or various spaces that were interested in renting their spots, and uh, setting up uh, meditation classes for about an hour. I would charge $25. But there are so many people who do that here in Dallas, and I found, I found that I needed to do more than that. It's not about competing with one another. It's about embracing um, our, our gifts. And my passion lies in serving the underprivileged communities. And so I know that nonprofits don't necessarily have a budget to sustain these types of services. And so I just go out and I just say, hey, just allow me in. They do a background check on me and they say, okay, you're good to go. And I go in and I, and I spend an hour, an hour and a half um, at this uh, drug, the drug um, recovery um, center. But I also have done it a few times with veterans at the VA Resource Center here in Dallas. Um, and, um, you know, aside from that, I'm, I'm continuing to look for other opportunities, whoever needs it, because it's, 
it's easy for, you know, the average Joe Blow to go to a yoga studio and pay 25 bucks and, and they can afford that. But it's those people who don't even have a meal um, for, for one day um, that I want to serve because I don't want them to lose out on the opportunity. If I can help in some way, shape, or form um, to help eradicate poverty or to help them come up from that, that, that way of life, then I would love to have a hand in that. Hmm. Wow. So you've talked some of your vision for your life. Um, what What is your vision for your life, and where do you see yourself in the next five years? Um, I'm going to continue writing, that's for sure. I Definitely next year um, I will have out a children's book, if not more, um, trying to introduce mindfulness to children, um, encouraging them to be present, learning them, learning and teaching them how to be present. Um, I, so I'm, I'm actually working on a children's book right now. Um, I'll have lots, uh, I want to develop a series of those books. So my own personal book and continue to co-author. It's my dream to get up on stage and talk to as many people as I possibly can. And I do that on a very small um, scale right now, but I know that's going to be something that I, I'm going to be doing on a, on a more active um, uh, more actively in the future. And uh, I also want to do a lot of, like I said earlier, a lot of international projects. Uh, my home being Kenya, um, being Indian, um, you know, my roots are Indian from India. I want to do a lot of work in India and in Kenya and in Nepal and wherever else God takes me. Mm. So that'll be, that'll be within the next five years or however much time it takes for it to unveil itself. That's right. I would say in, in, in divine time, it will all, all unfold. Mm-hmm. And as we begin, we've got a little bit more time. What message would you like to share with the world? And you've been sharing, but if there's one in particular that you would like to share. I would love for everybody to believe that everything that happens in their life um, in whatever way, shape, or form that has presented itself, especially the hardest and most challenging times, should be looked at as an opportunity that is happening for them and not to them. Allow those um, experiences to be your strength and not your weaknesses. And believe and have dreams because dreams are what's going to help you get to where you were born to be. So keep dreaming mm. and and just get there. You will get there. Well, those are those are beautiful words to share in a time that, again, is, well, the holidays are with us, and um, we're going to have changes in the new year, and it's definitely a time to reach deep inside for those pockets of of courage and compassion that may be deeply tucked away and community. What is your sense with the importance of community and coming together to help each other? You know, I think we, we can't do without our community. We t- like, like, like the saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, you know, we need to be there for each other. Even people like me, all the inspirational, you know, speakers out there, the ones that are so successful, they break down. And it's, their, it's our encouragement and our support that leads them back to the path and it leads them back on the stage to do what they do for the people that they do it for. So if we lose hope, then we really have nothing. 
So, you know, our community is our family. Our neighbor is our family. Um, you know, and, and everybody is brought into our life for a reason. And if we just hold that close to our heart and know that, you know, um, we are all um, people of God and we are created from love, um, you know, that's the one thing that should always bring us back together is our, our roots, which are love. Mm. Thank you. And so is there anything else that you would like to share before we close? I, uh, I'll just keep all of you in my prayers, um, in my thoughts. I'm sending everybody a lot of positive love and light and energy during this holiday season going into 2017 and whatever unfolds from this day forth. Just know um, that you are in my heart and I'll continuously pray for your, for your love, your kindness, and your peace. And thank you all so much for your continued support to get me to where I am and where I, I'm going to be going. And is how do people contact you? And I know you're in the process of building a website, um, how people That's, can reach you. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm very, very, very active on Facebook. So feel free to send me a Facebook request, friend request. You can like my pages on Facebook as well. Um, and as soon as my website has been built, I'll be, send, I'll be sharing updates on Facebook. But the best way to get in touch with me is through Facebook, Twitter, or Facebook and Twitter would be ideal. And can you spell your name so that they'll know how to find you for those that may not be familiar? <laughs> Absolutely. So my Facebook um, name is Surya, spelled S like Sam, U-R-Y-A. And the next word, um, next word is Namaskar, spelled N like Nancy, A, M like mother, A, S like Sam, K like king, A, R, Surya Namaskar. And Thank if you want to send so me an much. email, you can do, if you want to send me an email, you could send me an email as well. I, I believe it's on that page, right? Um, I think I've shared it. I on the blog talk. Few, yeah, on the, yes. Um, it's on there, so you can check it out on there. Otherwise, you can also send me another, e- I've got another email address, which is easier to remember as well. It's Leap of Faith, just like I ask you all to take the Leap of Faith. So Leap of Faith, 444 at com. Well, thank you so much, and I, I wish you a wonderful holiday season. Um, thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Everyone listening, next my next show will be next, well, it will be January 3rd, 2017, hard to believe already, and my guest will be Lauren Parati, and this is going to be a purposeful and playful conversation about the Destiny Designers, Seven Sacred Planes to Light Your Path with Passion and Playful Prosperity. So please join me on January 3rd, 2017 at 3 p.m. You can also go to www.blogtalk forward slash authentic messengers to listen to shows of the past that you were not able to listen to. Everyone, please take good care during these holiday seasons, remembering to love yourself deeply, be kind, and know that everything is unfolding in its most perfect way. Take care, everyone. Blessings to you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.